That's the spell that goes with the golden cap. Say the whole thing now. As fast as I can? No, just the, the spell casting Pepe, speed. Pepe, Kake, hello, hello, hello. Zizzy, zizzy, zick. <laughs> yep. Is that how you, we should like warm up our voices each time? Yeah, maybe. everyone welcome, welcome to, to fire, fire the, the cannon. cannon welcome to fire the cannon the podcast for all you friends of dorothy out there this week we'll be covering chapters 7 through 16 of the wonderful wizard of oz by l frank Baum. uh i'm one of your hosts rachel i'm the other host jackie and i am the producer theo and I realized I didn't say what this podcast does apart from cover the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> we read the books in the Western canon and decide if they belong or not. So come along with us. Can I say one other thing that the, this podcast does, at least for this episode? Yeah. You were just going to say, can I say one other thing? And I was like, no, you've reached your limit. We're done. This is the end of the episode for you. I can just clock out now and leave. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jackie, don't give him the if option. If only you were on the clock, you could. <laughs> if only you were getting paid. I want every listener to close your eyes, unless you're driving, and picture the one thing you want most. Now, reopen your eyes. We're going to give it to you by the end of this podcast. <laughs> Yay! Consider us the wonderful wizard. <laughs> wonderful wizards of pod. Oh! Wonderful wizards of pod. I love it. Damn, can we, can we actually, can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right, all right, so I'm going to edit out, edit out you saying it, I'm say, consider us your wonderful wizards of pod. That was so cool. <laughs> that was a great line. It's going to be so awesome when people think I just came up with it immediately. <laughs> As opposed to thinking I came up with it immediately. No, Rachel, they're going to be much more impressive if Theo did it because Theo doesn't come up with stuff immediately. No, well, you didn't come up with it immediately. I had to give you the whole wonderful wizards of part. No, Theo, you said the wonderful wizard and then we said and then I said of pod. That was immediate. No, but it, but the way, see, now uh-huh. that I've said the whole sentence, it seems like I had that in mind as the place I was going right. with that whole intro bit I did. Okay. I, I think it's more impressive if Rachel just came up with it rather than if someone planned it. Audience, you decide <laughs> which one was better. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm trying to be the tiebreaker here. I wonder what they wanted. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll know by the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, because we have to give it to them. Oh my yeah. The first person who's not Eric Jones to send us an email saying what you want, I'm going to do my damnedest to give it to you. So nice. you have my word. Have we made this explicitly clear? There's a guy named Eric Jones who keeps <laughs> emailing us to tell us to put ads on our website or something. No, th- the more we say his name, the more his SEO is going to pop he's up. He's not a guy. He's a bot. <laughs> well, Rachel, he was a man once. No, he's not a bot. He's making us generous offers. Bots can make generous offers. All we have to do is give him our credit card numbers. Actually, that sounds like a good deal. <laughs> Eric Jones. Yeah, we should make him the fourth member of the podcast. <laughs> It'll be like, I'm Theo, the producer, and then I'm Eric Jones, the email spam bot. <laughs> <laughs> he could be our mascot. Okay. That would be cute. Maybe get Steven to draw a cute little robot, and then whenever you get an email from him, you'll be happy about it. <laughs> That'd be great. And we can also make, we can make sure that Eric Jones gets a reply to an email by the end of this episode, as we're the wonderful Wizards of Pod. Yeah. Ooh, you know what we should do? We should read one of his emails as a Patreon bonus. <laughs> Yeah. I just love how every one of Eric Jones's emails starts with, hi, I'm Eric Jones. Like, I fucking know. Every time my phone buzzes, I don't even have to look at it. I know who you are. I know what this is. 
<laughs> okay, now here's something that I think might scare you. You're going to tell us some background before we get started, right, Rachel? Yeah, a We're little getting bit. ready for Halloween, gearing up. It's only in a few months. Here we go. <laughs> She's yeah. going to tell us something shitty that this author did at some point. No, this isn't shitty. Okay. I think it's hilarious, but you might be horrified. Okay, so a lot of the book was inspired by L. Frank Baum's life experiences. What? How? It's what? <laughs> How could any of this ever happen to a person? I call shenanigans immediately. You know the scarecrow? Was he also caught on a pole for a while? For the first two days of his life. (laughs) (laughs) When Baum was a child, actually I'm going to call him L. Frank. When L. Frank was a child, he had frequent nightmares of a scarecrow chasing him across a field. Whoa. (laughs) Was he a crow in the nightmare? This is a direct quote. Every time the scarecrow would reach out his ragged hay fingers to grab him by the neck and moments before he grabbed his neck, he would wake up. And that is what inspired the scarecrow. Did you say ragged hay fingers? That was the quote? Yeah. Ah! And that's what inspired the character of the scarecrow. You're right. That did scare me. Okay, so he wrote this as a way to like take away his own fear of scarecrows? Exercise his scarecrow demon. Yeah, I guess so. So it's like a, it's not a scarecrow. It's a scare L. Frank. Scare bomb. Scare bomb had a better ring to it, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) So here's where the Tin Woodman came from. L. Frank's son spilled the beans on this, which if I were him, I would have been like, seriously, son, you had to tell people. He apparently had an attraction to window displays. What? Attraction? Not a sexual attraction. He was just drawn to them. Every time he saw one, he'd have to go look at it. And it says he always dreamed of making something truly captivating in a window display. And he just like used a bunch of scraps and put it together. He used, it says, a wash boiler for a body, bolted stovepipes for arms and legs, the face out of a saucepan, and then a funnel hat on top for a window display. I don't know what he was advertising. In his own home? or I don't know what window. In, like he snuck into someone else's house and made this thing. Maybe the shop, <laughs> the failed shop that he and his wife opened. L. Frank Baum must have been one of the strangest people to ever exist. He's a freak. But the bit about the scarecrow being afraid of a lighted match, L. Frank actually wrote a poem called Matches. And while it was being performed, his opera house got set on fire and burned to the ground. His opera house? Yeah, he had an opera house. Casual. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, But anyway, that could have been where the scarecrow got his fear of lighted matches from. What? If only he had written a poem called, like, I won the lottery. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It would have been a very different book. (laughs) The scarecrow would be, like, really rich. He's stuffed with money instead of straw. Yeah. (gasps) One more little question. Who did the illustrations? It was a friend of his. His name was, oh. let's see, W.W. W. Denslow. And he actually co-owned the copyright. Dang. Yeah. Dang, Denslow. Good job. Damn, Denslow. <laughs> <laughs> the book is dedicated to my good friend and comrade, my wife. My good friend. And comrade. He was a communist? Oh. Uh, no, I don't think so. He friend zoned his wife. He comrade zoned his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't know why I'm thinking a good girl. I always get comrade zoned. That's what they say in the USSR. So if you guys were to write a, a children's fairy tale based off of nightmares that you had as a kid, what would that story be about? Or who would that character be? One time I had a long nightmare that was entirely in verse. Like it, the whole thing rhymed. Weird flex. <laughs> my, <laughs> my family was going on a road trip. It was just me and my parents and 
that was it actually. So not my whole family. But um, we picked up these two like teenage girls who were hitchhiking and they were were cats and they were going to kill us. But we didn't know. Like I was the narrator and I was myself. So I kind of knew what was happening and I kind of didn't. It was really scary <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I've definitely dreamed poems before that I thought were amazing and then I wake up and I'm like, nah. Yeah. Did you have like recurring nightmares as a kid, Thea? Um, honestly, I feel like for my entire life, the only nightmares I have are you missed a deadline or you show up to an occasion shirtless. Shirtless? Yeah. But it's okay for you to be shirtless. <laughs> not at school. It's, it's not illegal, <laughs> but it's not okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like you could show up pantsless. That would be weirder, right? But your brain doesn't even go there. It's just shirtless. But I don't want to make the audience imagine that. <laughs> So it, that is what your dream was. No, no, it wasn't actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had dreams that I was like in a Chuck E. Cheese thing or like a McDonald's play place, like, you know, one of those plastic tube things you go crawling through. But I was being chased by uh, horrifying Muppets. And yet you love them. Well, these are like the the take your heads off ones from Labyrinth. I don't like those. The chili down folks. The chili downs. Yeah. You started having that dream after watching Labyrinth? No, I, I think I dreamed that before I ever watched Labyrinth. I just I had a fear of whatever that creature is. Whoa. It's just scary to me. You pictured the creature before you ever saw it? That's why you're so scared of them. I'm sure it wasn't exact, but it was something like that. Like it was something just kind of like fluffy and pink and like weird. Don't like that. I was also always very afraid of uh, Dr. Seuss characters. Mm. Now we have to turn each of us into like the person that Dorothy meets. So of okay. course I would be... A shirtless guy. <laughs> yeah, basically it would be like... If I only had a shirt. <laughs> I would be like, if I only didn't have this Muppet around. <laughs> or, I, or I would just want him to maybe take away my fear. If I only wasn't afraid of this Muppet trying to kill me. <laughs> if I only didn't have this specific fear. <laughs> well, if the Muppet's trying to kill me, you should be afraid of it. That's adaptive. So you don't want your fear removed. You want the Muppet removed. I want the Muppet removed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, If great. I only lacked a Muppet. <laughs> if only this Muppet was dead. <laughs> What's yours, Rachel? Rachel would be like, if only my parents hadn't picked up these wear cats. <laughs> or if only my parents would listen to me that these werecat girls want to kill us. Maybe they weren't listening to you because you were speaking in verse. Yeah. They were too. Maybe your verse wasn't good enough. So you could be, <laughs> if I only rhymed better. If I could only make a rhyme. Something like that. But yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is a little imbalanced. Like a brain, a heart, and courage. That seems like... Equivalent. Kind, yeah, they're all kind of like these profound human things, you know, but then... Assert the respect of my parents and lack of a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> lack of a Muppet. <laughs> could you imagine you show up at the wizard and you're like... And I'd like a lack of a Muppet. And he's like, what are you talking about? Can we just go to the next person? I don't... Ah, but a man's reach should exceed his grasp. It's impossible to not have a Muppet. Now come up with our names then, guys. All right, Theo's the match. So not the greatest fear of the scarecrow because he's not the lighted match. Crap. <laughs> nice he's try. It's just a wooden stick with some stuff on the end. Jackie's the great ball of fire, which we'll get to. And I'm Quilala, which we'll also get to. <laughs> so keep your ears open. Well, we've been recording for about an hour. Should we start talking about the book? Yeah, I think we should. <laughs> so again, I read these when like very early and then I went to sleep. So I might not remember all of it, but I do remember I had a ton of thoughts. So Rachel, why don't you take this one and then I'll just kind of jump in and interrupt you as I please. With your thoughts? 
first should we say what's happened so far? Dorothy's gone to Oz. She's met her three friends. And she killed the Witch of the East, took her silver shoes. Now she's on her way to the Emerald City to meet Oz. The scarecrow keeps falling in the holes. That will come back later. He really wants it to come back. It will. Uh, Chapter seven is called The Journey to the Great Oz. Actually, there is something immediately that I wanted to talk about. Okay. So this is after they've all met each other and they have to camp out. They build a fire. Of course, the Tin Woodman and the Scarecrow don't have to eat. Toto and Dorothy eat the last of their bread and now they don't know what they're going to have for breakfast. So she's getting a little worried. And the lion says, if you want to, I'll go into the forest and murder you something. And the Tin Woodman is like, please don't. I'll cry. So then it says the lion went away into the forest and found his own supper and no one ever knew what it was for he didn't mention it he didn't say he would murder her something he said i could kill you a deer to roast i just saying it opens up a lot of possibilities like don't you think it's kind of funny that we don't ever find out what he ate he ate something i'm sure it was a deer no we're not sure (laughs) i'm sure a meat deer or a tin deer (laughs) or a straw (laughs) deer deer. (laughs) probably a meat deer so you're thinking there's a whole spinoff series of what he ate on this one little excursion like a cookbook that would be awesome you could call it the lion's cookbook and it says like it has the ingredients it's like you need (laughs) breadcrumbs you need i don't know whatever uh, clam shells blah 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 whatever you put in a meal and then (laughs) don't ever go to theo's house for dinner (laughs) no i mean clams casino is a thing that involves clam shells and breadcrumbs but i don't think it's just the shells right there's a clam too but then the last ingredient the the meat that you put in it it's always whatever you go find in the woods you can make any meal you want but the main (laughs) substance of it is whatever you find in the woods there he goes he's such a chandler isn't he what do you mean always looking for things in the woods no he's always chandling oh yeah oh always chandling does love to chandle uh, okay, so Dorothy, luckily, she's able to eat some nuts that the scarecrow gathers for her. With his raggedy hay fingers. Yeah. And here's something pretty cute, actually, is it says the scarecrow took a long time gathering the nuts, but he didn't mind because he was scared of the fire that, like, a spark would touch him. But it says he stayed away from the fire all night, and he only went close to cover Dorothy with dry leaves when she went to sleep. So that's pretty cute. He risked death to cover her up. <laughs> dry leaves? Yeah. Sounds like kindling to me. You think he was trying to get her lit on fire? (laughs) Yeah. He should have just laid down on top of her. I'm sure he would have been warmer. You would have been like, ew, what a perv. Come on. Admit it. (laughs) You would have. No matter what he does, you can say (laughs) And then you go on a rant about how there's porn about it, and then I have to edit it out. No. I cannot believe that you actually edited that out. She's already done three times this episode. (laughs) No, I have not. Okay, so they wake up the next day and they come immediately to this big, great ditch in the road and it's full of jagged rocks and they can't jump over it and they can't climb down into it and they can't walk around it. But they realize one of them can jump over it, the lion. So he like (laughs) jumps over with one person on his back each time and then jumps back and forth and then finally they all get over there. Their planning is just so funny. They're like, yeah, I mean, if we try to jump over it, we're going to definitely all be killed. Um, But if we jumped over on the lion's back, then... It wouldn't matter so much because the fall wouldn't hurt me at all. The scarecrow says that. The scarecrow that. says that. If we fall, then it won't hurt me at all. And Whoa. the lion's like, well, I would die, but, you know, sure, let's give it a try. <laughs> scarecrow needs to learn about teamwork. He says you should take me across first. Right. Because he's the lightest? No, because he's the only one who wouldn't be hurt by the fall. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But then he would be down there totally fine with the lion's corpse at the bottom of the stitch. Like, that would be terrible. Well. As soon as they get across, the lion says, hey, 
Thought you guys should know this is where the Kalitas live. Dorothy says, what are the Kalitas? Tell them, Rach. They're, Theo's gonna love this. They are monstrous beasts with bodies like bears, heads like tigers, and claws so long and sharp they could tear the lion in two as easily as he could kill Toto. So they find an even bigger ditch that they definitely can't jump across, but the scarecrow has an idea for the tin woodman to chop a tree down and make a bridge. Mm -hmm. So they walk across, but all of a sudden some Kalitas, like huge Kalitas start running towards them and they get off the bridge. And finally the, I think the scarecrow has the idea to chop the bridge down and then the Kalitas fall and are dashed to pieces on the rocks below. That was the first part that made me really sad. They try, they were trying to kill them. I know, but that's just what they do. They're in their habitat. They can be killed. That's allowed. The other thing is the lion roared at them. And they got a little nervous, but they still kept coming to kill them. And then the lion says, like, you guys run away. I'll stay and fight them as long as I can until they kill me. But then instead they chop the bridge down. Sounds like somebody has more courage than he pretends to not have. (laughs) Than he (laughs) pretends to not have. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I don't understand why... There couldn't have just been like a river at the bottom and they could have just been swept away. Why do they have to be dashed to pieces? That's sad. They tried to kill our heroes. (laughs) Okay. And so the end of the chapter is, you know, because good things come in threes. So we have the two ditches and then there's the river and they're like, how are we going to get across this river? So again, the woodman has to take his axe and chop down some trees and he tries to make a raft, but it takes a long time. He's the MVP of the day, I have to say. Well, it's the scarecrow's idea to do all this stuff. I know, but come on. Anyone could think of that. He's so foolish. They wouldn't have gotten anywhere without the lion. I know, but come on. The Tin Woodman's done multiple things that day. The lion's only done one thing. All right, so Tin Woodman, most valuable. Second. The lion's a VP, and so is the Scarecrow, but the Tin Woodman is the MVP. Dorothy and the Meat Dog are useless. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Dorothy and the Meat Dog could be a good band name. (laughs) Whoa. Could be our band name. (laughs) I call Dorothy, I call Dorothy, you guys are the Meat Dog. We both have to be one meat dog. Can we at least be the meat dogs? <laughs> Jackie, <laughs> you're both a meat dog. Oh, gosh. Rachel, you go ahead and do chapter eight because I told you to do chapter seven and then I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the next morning they wake up. Dorothy eats some fruit and nuts. They have their raft to cross the river finally ready. So they get in the raft and they're like pushing along the river, but then all of a sudden a current catches them and pushes them away from where they want to go. And the water is so deep that their poles can't reach the bottom of the river. They keep frequently doing this thing where like the Tin Woodman says, oh no, if we go into the country of the Wicked Witch of the West, she will enchant us and make us her slaves. And then the Scarecrow says, and I would get no brains, the lion. And also I would get no courage. <laughs> <laughs> the Woodman, I would get no heart, Dorothy. I would never get back to Kansas. Like, they frequently will cycle through that because this is a kid's book. And I guess he right. wants the kids to remember <laughs> who wants what. Right. Just once, I would like one of them to throw something wild in there and hope the other ones won't notice. <laughs> like, and then I'll never get assless chap. Like. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Toto wants. <laughs> Yeah, Toto never says, so we get to assume. Yeah, so the scarecrow pushes on a pole. He tries to see if he can find the bottom, and he does, but the pole gets sucked into the mud. Before he can pull it out again or let go, the raft gets drifted away out from under him, and he's just stuck holding on to this pole in the middle of the river. Oh, no. <laughs> and he says, 
goodbye. And then the wrath goes away. That's the end of it. The woodman starts crying. <laughs> goodbye. He just yells, goodbye. <laughs> he does. Can you imagine how fast this all must have happened? Like, hold on, I think I'm going to, whoop, goodbye. <laughs> That's Gone. it. And then he thinks, I'm worse off than I was when I started. <laughs> he says, because I used to be stuck on a pole and I could pretend to scarecrows, but now there's literally nothing for me to do because I'm in a river. Nobody says anything about the scarecrow. The lion says, we have to do something to save us. He here, hold on to my tail and I'll swim and pull the raft to the shore. So he finally does. And then everyone is like, okay, what should we do? So they decide to walk along the road. And it says, which I think this is very cute and realistic. It says they walked along as fast as they could. Dorothy only stopping once to pick a beautiful flower. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so they're walking and then and uh, they just forget about the scarecrow. Well, They don't mention him, but then they see him. <laughs> And he's sticking on his pole in the water. They see him and Dorothy says, what can we do to save him? And the lion and the tin woodman both just shake their heads sadly and sit down. They just (laughs) sit on the bank and gaze wistfully at him. (laughs) (laughs) They sit on the bank gazing wistfully until a stork flies by who stops and says like, who are you and where are you going? (laughs) To the scarecrow or to the... To the people on the bank. And Dorothy explains what's going on. He's not going anywhere. (laughs) She says, we've lost the scarecrow and we're wondering how we could get him again. And the stork says, well, if he weren't so big and heavy, I could carry him to you. And they explain like, well, he's not heavy at all. He's made of straw. So she just grabs him and drops him off. Everyone is so happy that the scarecrow, with every step he takes, he feels so gay that he sings Toldy Radio" with every step. There's a lot of little nonsense songs in here. I'm picturing they're like, oh, thank you, stork. And then it's gone. They're like, what happened to it? And then the lion like licks a feather off his lips. Oh, no. <laughs> Is that bad? Yeah, that's bad. The tin woodman slowly like slides a cloth over his axe. Oh. Whoa. Gosh. Well, mm. s- that's too dark, Jackie. So anyway... The scarecrow swears that if he ever gets brains, he'll find the stork and do something nice for her. But then the stork is flying along and says, oh, no worries. I like to help everyone in trouble. Okay, bye. (laughs) What a great woman. What a great stork. (laughs) I guess they could have gone to the wizard, gotten a brain, and then tossed it to him. (laughs) Yeah, because he does say, and now I'm never going to get any brains. So as long as you give him a brain, it doesn't matter where he's stuck. Yeah, he's fine. (laughs) Yeah, he just wants to think. You give him a brain and then he can fully realize how horrible his situation is. (laughs) (laughs) The horror of his situation. (laughs) That's why I'm saying he's set. He should never have gone on this journey. You think L. Frank is punishing him for what he did in his nightmares? Yeah, maybe. So the rest of this uh, chapter is about the opium poppies, or I guess just poppies as you could call them. Which is in the movie, right? It is. It's one of the most famous Mm. scenes. My mom always says, poppies. But there are a lot of different colors. And also, the witch wasn't trying to get them. They just naturally fell asleep. And so L. Frank Baum does this thing where every once in a while he'll tell you like a scientific fact, like here's how tornadoes work. And I think he's probably pretty much right, you know, simplified it, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Then he says, well, everyone knows that if you walk into a field of poppies, you're going to fall asleep forever and never wake up. So some things you just really can't trust him on. (laughs) But they do the thing again. So they say, the scarecrow says, when I have brains, I will like the poppies more. The Tin Woodman, if only I had a heart, I would love them. The lion says, I always liked flowers because they're so frail and healthy. At this point, the scarecrow and the tin woodman are totally fine, but Dorothy and the lion are starting to fall asleep. And they tell the lion, you're too heavy for us to carry, so you need to sprint as fast as you can to try to get yourself out, and we'll carry Dorothy and the little dog. So they carry her, they're walking out, and they see the lion, and he barely, he didn't make it out. He's 
asleep and they think like, well, that's too bad. He's like two inches <laughs> yeah. from the end of the poppy field. They say too bad, but maybe <laughs> while he's dreaming forever, he'll dream of courage. Maybe if another stork comes by. Hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, just like looking around. <laughs> yeah, they say, well, I'm sorry. The lion was a very good comrade for one so cowardly. Like they, Then they insult him. <laughs> yeah. like, wow. For how much he sucked, he was all right. We're going to miss him. So, but luckily, something horrifying happens too. This is chapter nine, the queen of the field mice. And they're looking around and the Tin Woodman hears a growl and he sees a large yellow wildcat running towards them and it's chasing something. This is so unnecessary. Yes. And the, the Tin Woodman, this it does not make sense. He sees that the wildcat is chasing a small gray field mouse. And it says, although he had no heart, he knew it was wrong for the wildcat to try to kill such a pretty harmless creature. So he chops the wildcat's head off. And it rolls on the ground. It's wrong to kill this mouse. So therefore... (laughs) And then the tinsmith walks by and realizes, oh, I have a spare tin wildcat head. I can just put this right on him. Well, that'd be so cute if everybody gets a little toto, like the lion gets a tiny lion and the scarecrow gets like a... Whoa, that would be so much better. What would the scarecrow get? Like a little bay of hail? Yeah. Or a little crow? Yeah. That'd be cute. So so the mouse says, oh, thanks for saving me. And the Tin Woodman says like, oh, don't worry. I always try to help everyone, even if it's only a mouse. Oh, gosh. Unless they're a wild cat. Then I (laughs) chop their head off. And the mouse says like, just a mouse. I'm the queen of the field mice. And she says like, you've done a great deed and brave one. Is there anything I can do to help you? And the Tin Woodman is like, eh, no. (laughs) I think the scarecrow's like, wait a second. (laughs) He's like, "Uh, not that I can think of. And they're like, all right, bye. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, what about our friend, the lion, who's going to die in the poppy field? (laughs) But so they say like, oh, the lion would eat us. Yeah, because Toto kind of tried to eat them. So they had to hold on to Toto, which I'm glad he didn't chop Toto's head off. I know, right? Like, what if he just had the same thought process and he was like, I know it's wrong for this little mouse to be killed, so. (laughs) Bye-bye, Toto. Yeah, it was a shame. We're gonna miss you. So, does Dorothy do anything this whole time? I feel like... She's asleep. No, like, throughout all of these chapters that you've been describing. It seems like everybody else has the ideas and takes the actions. She picked a flower. (laughs) Oh, right. She picked a flower. She ate some nuts, I guess. And peaches and plums. She played with a baby. Yeah, she doesn't... She does something. She'll do a thing later. She's just resting on her laurels after killing the Wicked Witch of the East. Nice. Yeah, she's like, I don't have to do shit anymore. <laughs> so the woodman's like, nope, nope, you're good. Have a good one. Yeah, bye. And then Scarecrow's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know there's got to be something. Aren't there thousands of you? Maybe you could help carry our lion friend. We promise he won't eat you. So he tells her, like, get all your little mice to all bring a long piece of string. And then the tin woodman builds a cart. Whoa. And they, like, take it to the poppy field and put the lion on it. So the mice show up and they all attach their little strings and then they pull the lion out, which I'm thinking, I know it wouldn't have been easy for those two guys to lift him out, but if they could lift him onto a chariot, surely they could like inch him out of the field. They don't have muscles to get tired. Because what they've risked is thousands of little mice. Like it must take, (laughs) you know, very little to overpower a mouse. So like they probably all could have just fallen asleep instantly. Well, the queen says like, Quickly, little mice, so that you don't pass out. <laughs> I know, but what if they all passed out? That would have been so cute. Maybe, I mean, they live nearby. Maybe they're a little bit immune. I guess the Tin Man could have just, like, scooped them all up in his little hands. Yeah. Here's my solution that is so much better. Why doesn't the Tin Man just make a lawnmower go over all <laughs> the poppies? You don't have that problem anymore. Couldn't he just use his axe and chop them down? 
He'd probably have to like hold each one individually to get it taut. Yeah, you'd probably like release more of their scent that way. Well, here's one funny thing too is, or it says Dorothy had grown so fond of the big lion, she was glad he had been rescued. (laughs) I don't have to be very fond of someone at all to be glad they don't die. (laughs) Such was the power of her affection that she thought. It's probably a good thing he wasn't killed. (laughs) So the queen says, if you ever need our help again, just go out into the middle of a field and call for us. Chapter 10 is called The Guardian of the Gate. So when the lion wakes up, he asks, like, what happened? And they tell him, and he's surprised because he says, such little things as flowers came near to killing me, and such small animals as mice have saved my life. How strange it all is. He misjudged them. So they're walking along after this and they start to see where the the yellow brick road is getting nicer and smoother and better paved. And then they come upon a little house and now everything in this country is painted green. So green is the national favorite color of the center of the land. Of the Emerald City folk. So they notice that everything is green and... But when people see them, they kind of look at them suspiciously. They don't like the lion and they say, okay, well, it doesn't seem like the people here are as friendly as they were in in the north. So In the munchkin land. But they didn't have a lion in munchkin land. (laughs) I don't. Okay. So something happens here that is not a big deal, but I don't understand it. So they do. They come to a farmhouse and Dorothy's like, I'm just going to knock on the door and ask if I can go in there. And the woman's like, okay, as long as the lion is tame, come on in. She says, the lion is my friend and comrade. (laughs) So they enter the house and... There's the woman and her two children and a man who had hurt his leg and he was lying on the couch in a corner. And that's never mentioned again. It's just a little local texture. (laughs) This is what it's like in the Emerald City. (laughs) Sometimes you hurt your leg. (laughs) Do you not think that's weird at all? (laughs) No. Why is he? I thought that was going to happen. Like, oh, he's lying on the couch so he can't get up. Well, that explains why he's home during the day instead of working in his fields. But if he's not mentioned again, what's the point? Yeah, what's the point? (laughs) To say, oh, her husband was here too. Not every detail. It's not like Chekhov's Emerald City Boy with a hurt leg. Emerald City Boy. (laughs) I just think it's funny. The man had hurt his leg. I bet it's to, to suggest that. Oh, if there really was a wonderful Wizard of Oz, don't you think he would have fixed that leg? Yeah, or if this road really was so nice and paved, wouldn't you have not fallen in that hole? Right. Mm. Yeah, maybe he fell in a hole. She does talk to the man, and the man says, Oh, you know, you're going to the Emerald City. I've been many times, but I've never been allowed to see Oz, and I don't know anyone living who has seen him. He never leaves his throne room. He never leaves any, when, if anybody were to see him, he takes any form he wishes. So you can't actually see his actual self. But they say sometimes he looks like a bird, sometimes an elephant, sometimes a beautiful fairy or a brownie. A brownie? Uh, It's a small, like a a house fairy that lives in your house. You give it milk and it does all your chores. Okay. I knew it couldn't just be a little baked good because that didn't fit with the theme. That'd be so much better. What if you walk in the throne room and it's like... What if the whole list was like, sometimes he's a brownie, sometimes he's a muffin, sometimes he's a cookie or ice cream. (laughs) Sometimes he's a brownie, sometimes he's a daisy, sometimes he's a cadet. 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 Girl Scout jokes. Come on, girl. Oh, okay. I was like, ooh, a baked good I've never heard of? Mm-hmm. Wait, were either of you Girl Scouts? Stop the podcast. Were either of you Girl Scouts? Yes, I was a Girl Scout, and I'm still a Girl Scout. You never stop being one. So you're still a Girl Scout. You never stop. I met the oldest living Girl Scout one time. Really? At that time, yeah. Um, do you she have anything else? She had been in a troop with oh. Juliet Lowe. Who's that? She's the founder of the Girl Scout. She was deafened at her uh, wedding when someone threw a grain of rice into her ear. What? What? I don't buy that. You didn't know that, Rachel? I feel like that every every Girl Scout knows that. I wasn't a Girl Scout. Oh. Oh. I can't believe I'm on a podcast with a non-Girl Scout. <laughs> no. I am too. I didn't have the option. I didn't want to join Girl Scouts because 
they didn't do any camping or anything. They only made baked goods and hung out with old people. And the Boy Scouts did all the camping. We camped. I know, but my troop, when we asked, like, oh, what do you guys do? It was all, like, crafts and baking and hanging out with old people. We never baked a thing. We did go to the retirement home every Christmas and sing little carols and make gingerbread houses. Well, I wouldn't have minded going once, but I wanted to camp. I wanted to learn how to survive in the outdoors. <laughs> oh, I definitely didn't learn that. One time, so we they took us, you know, to the retirement home every year and wanted us to make the gingerbread houses. <clears throat> but we were like seven and eight years old, so we don't know anything. And... <laughs> don't know anything about architecture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the residents was like eating the icing out of the, the tin of icing just with her hands. And we were like, yeah, girl, get it. I do that every day. I'm seven years old. Uh-huh. <laughs> this like nurse came running in and they were like, she can't, she's diabetic. She can't have that. Oh, She's like freaking out. And I'm like, well, you didn't tell us that. And you guys are thinking like, she's the only cool adult. I know. We were just like, she's the man. <laughs> Betty. Betty. <laughs> so the, the Emerald City man tells him, oh, yeah, you know, if you can see the wizard, I'm sure he'll give you brains, courage, whatever. Why? Why is he sure of that? He said, for one thing. <laughs> I asked him to break my leg and he obliged. <laughs> he said, Oz has one has more brains than he needs. Two, has a large collection of hearts of all shapes and sizes. Oh, yeah, that's freaky. And three, keeps a pot of courage in his throne room at all times. Wait, so when he says he has more brains than he needs, he's Mm -hmm. saying Oz is going to give him some of his own brains? I guess. (laughs) I mean, he also implied that he has lots of other creatures' hearts just stored up, yeah. Right. And that he'd be happy to share. But that one makes a little sense. The giving a little bit of your own brains doesn't. Well, he has more than he needs. We all we only use 10% of our brains, so who cares about the other 90%? Share the love. How do you do it? You just like put a vacuum cleaner up to your ear or something like that? In your nose. I guess we'll find out. Okay, sorry. Sorry. I keep trying <laughs> to jump ahead. <laughs> so anyway, everyone has dinner, which I'm thinking like, They were already talking crap about these people, like, oh, they're not friendly, whatever. This girl shows up with two randos and a lion and says, hey, uh, I want to come in. And the woman, she says, she pulls a real Sanger Rainsford, I'm hungry. And then they give them all a meal and let them have a place to stay and everything. They seemed very nice. But anyway, I'm hungry. I fell out of a house. (laughs) I couldn't even imagine inviting that group of people in to eat dinner with me. Like, what would that conversation be like? (laughs) I know. And also she has a dog, which is like, if you've never seen a dog before, which these people haven't, it's just like, what are any of you? You think that would be even weirder than anything else? Yeah. Hey, is there, they're meeting that thing. Yeah, and she says the dinner that they feed them is uh, scrambled eggs and porridge. And bread. Yeah. The lion tries the porridge but says it's actually horse food, so he's not into it. But Toto eats everything and is so happy about it. They keep walking and they see a beautiful green glow in the sky and they think, oh, it's the Emerald City. So they ring the doorbell and a a small man about the size of a munchkin wearing green head to toe with greenish skin shows up and he says like you want to see oz it's been years since anyone asked to see oz so just be careful because if you're here for some stupid reason he might destroy you in an instant (laughs) and they say like oh no it's uh it's not a stupid reason it's an important reason so let us in and the guy's like uh okay sure but you have to put on these green spectacles because otherwise you'll be blinded by the brightness and glory of the city. And so it's not just spectacles. You have to 
lock them on at the back of your head, and this guy has the only key. The only key. So you have to wear them constantly. You yep. can't take them off even if you're sleeping. Whoa. And he has a box full of, I guess, like thousands of all sizes. So there's even a tiny pair for Toto and a giant pair for the lion. <laughs> Sounds like a nasty trick. Yeah. A nasty trick. What happens if a spider comes up? Does he have eight little green monocles he can? Four little green spectacles. Okay. Or <laughs> for that, sure. Or one little green octacle. Or two little green quattacles. <laughs> Octacle is pretty good. Or just one septicle and one monocle. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> one septicle. How many different ways can we make eight? Let's just do this for the rest of our goddamn lives. Now you know we can do math, everyone. <laughs> so chapter 11 is called The Wonderful City of Oz. You want to take it, Jack? They show up and they're walking along and they see that everything is green. There's the green glass and the green pavement and there's... Yeah, emeralds and you know inside of everything. Everybody's got green skin, green clothes, green hair. They're selling green candy and green popcorn, shoes, hats, clothes, lemonade, pennies. All of it's green. Wait, so they're saying everything is green, but they're also wearing green tinted glasses. But the guy that answered the gate was green without the glasses. Oh no, Theo's onto us. <laughs> He's onto us. <laughs> We're trying to fool Theo. <laughs> What's going on? Here? Dorothy notices there are no animals at all. They lead them into the city. The guardian of the gates leads them into the city, and they say, "Why don't you go ahead in, and I'll just, you know, let Oz know that you're here." He says, "Here are strangers, and they demand to see the great Oz." <laughs> I'm gonna go get Oz and he says all right well he's gonna see you but he wants each of you to go in alone and he's only gonna see one of you per day is he charging like like a vacancy fee or something because that's the only reason to he gets tired (laughs) easily (laughs) so they each get really nice rooms green rooms to stay in and Dorothy's shown to a room that has a closet full of beautiful green silk dresses that are all the perfect size for her. This happens in a lot of like fantasy novels and stuff, right, Rachel, where like the woman gets shown to a room and the closet is full of clothes that fit her exactly and they're gorgeous. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I wish all my clothes fit me. Just the idea of clothes me. that fit. I know, I just, just even that they fit. Like, I don't even care if they're pretty. That would be so <laughs> wonderful. Hideous clothes that fit perfectly. This one has a pocket. Yeah. Would you change to an entirely green wardrobe just for that? Just yeah. for the fit. If they were Dorothy's kind of clothes, like if they were all silk and brocade, I would. If it was a perfectly fitting potato sack, I don't think I would bother with that. But <laughs> lumps in all the right places. Um, oh god, this part was the horrible. scarecrow. So yeah, so they take them to their rooms, and Jackie hates the scarecrow. I do. I hate all of this. What? Like it's so freak. It's freaky. This all sounds like a nightmare because it is a nightmare. So this is the horrible part. So. They take them to their rooms and Dorothy goes to sleep on her bed and the lion curls up on his bed like Aww. a little cat and he goes to sleep. The tin Woodman lays down but doesn't sleep at all. He just moves his joints all night. Yeah, the Tin Man says, I remember when I was a man and I could sleep. So he lays down on the bed and he's like, mm, nope, don't like this. So he just kind of walks around. The Scarecrow... He's alone in the room. He stands stupidly in one spot till morning. Just inside the door. <laughs> he could not close his eyes, so he remained all night staring at a little spider weaving its web. Wow. He just stood a couple inches inside the door, didn't look around the room or anything. That's the one thing about being the scarecrow that I think sounds like hell. Like, if you don't have to sleep, you could do so many cool things, but if you're just stuck in a room all night... Yeah, really. Oh, man. Yeah. But I guess if you don't have a brain, it's not a problem. Yeah. Because you don't have to think about stuff. Yeah. You just get to watch a spider. But he does think about stuff. But he doesn't have to. And he can't even close his eyes. He's like clockwork orange and all the time. Nice. So Dorothy dresses in one of her beautiful green dresses and heads off to go talk to Oz. And when she gets there, he's taken the form of a huge head. A huge bald head with no eyebrows. 
which apparently was potentially based on John D. Rockefeller because L. Frank hated him, like personally hated him, and he had alopecia in his 50s and went completely bald. So Oz says, is this in the movie where he says, I'm Oz the Great and- The Great and Terrible. And she says, I'm Dorothy the Small and Meek. Yeah, she does say that. (laughs) That doesn't make sense when she's an adult woman who's taller than everyone else in the land. (laughs) Well, compared to Oz, whose head is like six times as big as her whole body. I'm Dorothy the Relatively Small. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Dorothy the Normal-Sized, you giganto. Yeah. (laughs) You no-bodied freak like that how is the great you know wizard of oz gonna give me a heart and a brain if he doesn't even have a body himself he's got a brain more than he needs <laughs> maybe he had a body but he gave it all away to everybody who asked oh. he took it off so he could put the heart in his collection <laughs> the one heart i don't have is my own <laughs> <laughs> Now his collection is complete. (laughs) Yeah. So she tells him where she got her silver shoes and the kiss on her forehead. Where'd you get that kiss, girl? Where can I get one of those? (laughs) She tells him she wants to go back to Kansas. He asks, why should I do this for you? She says, because you are strong and I am weak. Because you are a great wizard and I am only a little girl. She's really playing the little girl card a lot. Yeah, really. I'm so tiny. Thou doth protest too much. (laughs) (laughs) She's not a little girl. But so he says she has to kill the Wicked Witch of the West. She's like, what are you talking about? I I can't kill anything. And he says, well, I don't. I'm just a little girl. (laughs) So he says, "You well, I don't care. You have to do it. And when she's dead, I'll send you back. She starts sobbing. Yeah. She says, I never killed anything, comma, willingly. (laughs) (laughs) Should have been a dot, dot, dot. Yeah. As she remembers. Yeah. Yeah. Willingly. And she said, if you who are great and terrible cannot kill her yourself, how do you expect me to do it? And he says, I don't know. That's my answer, though. Go away. Don't tell him. Don't come back here until you've done it. Says, remember, she's wicked and she ought to be killed. <laughs> also, it says that when she started crying, he looked at her anxiously as if he felt that she could help him if she would, which is a lot to say in one expression. So she goes back to her friends and tells them what he said, and she's so sad. She says, there's no hope for me. I can't possibly kill the Wicked Witch. And her friends were very sorry, but they couldn't do anything. So she cries herself to sleep. The next morning, they come for the Scarecrow. And the Scarecrow follows and goes into the throne room. And instead of a big head, he sees a lovely lady dressed in green gauze. With beautiful wings. Mm. And she says, I am Oz, the great and terrible. Who are you? And why do you seek me? Yeah, she's got a southern accent now. I don't know. <laughs> the same thing happens, basically. Wait, he, he says you have to kill the witch? Yep, kill the witch. To the scarecrow, too? The scarecrow says, I thought you asked Dorothy to kill the witch. And she's like, yeah, I, don't I did. Care. I don't care who kills her. Anybody Just, can kill her. <laughs> she needs to be dead. Yeah. Whoa, okay. <laughs> yep. Same thing happens with the Tin Woodman. Says, you gotta go help Dorothy kill the witch. This time, to the Tin Woodman, he doesn't appear. Theo is gonna love this. <laughs> yes, I know. I knew He's this. I, I thought this as well. It's even better than the Kaleida. So the Tin Woodman is about to go in, and he's like, well, I don't know if I'm gonna see a head or a lovely lady, but I sure hope it's the lovely lady. Well, he mm. says, because ladies have hearts, and then I can beg and plead and cry and <laughs> force her to do what I want. <laughs> but he knows it's just Oz either way. <laughs> So instead of a lovely lady, he comes in and there's a huge beast, the size of an elephant, the head of a rhinoceros with five eyes. There were five long arms and five long, slim legs. Thick, woolly hair covered it. Every part of it covered with thick, woolly hair. I think this that's really awesome. 
And I would want to talk about it more, but I'm worried that the more we talk about it, the closer Jackie is to realizing she can make a human centipede reference. Oh, no. So (laughs) I think we should just move on. (laughs) Yeah, hurry before she realizes she can make a human centipede reference. (laughs) I think that rhinoceros should have five horns also. Yeah. I don't even know if it is a rhinoceros. It says it has a head like that of a rhinoceros. Like a rhinoceros. Oh, but with five horns is the subtext. (laughs) (laughs) Also, five unspoken horns. <laughs> it has five little sharp things that are like that of horns. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, same thing happens. He says, if you help Dorothy kill the witch, you'll get a great heart. So he leaves, and the lion says, if it's a beast, I'll roar and scare him into helping me. If it's a lady, I'll pretend to attack her, so she has to listen. And if it's a great head, I'll just roll it around the room <laughs> until it agrees to do it. <laughs> See, that's the thing you should have said Theo would like. You didn't like the rhinoceros with all the limbs? I like the rhinoceros, but... You're a monster boy. I know, I'm a big monster. You're a monster, comma, boy. You're a monster, Harry. <laughs> Head roller. Was that good? Head roller. You're on a roll, Jackie. You've been doing so many now. Okay. That's from Kung Pao. I don't know if people know that. We've been bringing it up most episodes. <laughs> it's none of those things. So the lion goes in and instead he sees there's a great ball of fire. That's me. That's my name. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> he said his first thought was that Oz had just caught on fire by accident. <laughs> Why would you think that? You th- he said he could be literally anything. A brownie, a fairy. Yeah, right. Oh, this guy must have just caught on fire and I'm the only one to see it. Well... <laughs> So he, anyway, he can't do any of the things he wanted to do. And the ball of fire like burns hotter and pushes the lion out of the room. Mm -hmm. So anyway, they say, all right, we have to go to the land of the Winkies and seek out the Wicked Witch and destroy her. I wanted Theo to be a Winky. Well, once he hears a little bit more about them, maybe he will. Yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they all decide, yep, we have to go kill her. But all of them say they can't. Dorothy says, I I can't kill anyone, even to see Auntie M again. And then the lion says, well, I'm too much of a coward to kill. The scarecrow's too much of a fool to help killing. And the Tin Woodman says, I don't even have the heart to harm a witch. So all of them are like, I guess we'll go, but we obviously can't do anything. (laughs) And again, the scariest one, which no one seems to agree with, is that the scare... No, it's the scarecrow, (laughs) because he's just like, I would totally kill someone. I'm just too dumb to do it. I'm an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) If only I could think of a plan. <laughs> like He's like, I have no qualms about that. I'm just waiting for that brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'll become a killing then machine. you're all yeah. gone. Yeah. But the right. Tin Man saying, I just don't have the heart to do it. Yeah. I feel like that's just like a catch-all phrase he can use. I oh, I just don't have the heart to do, heart to do that. To do that. <laughs> yeah, about anything he doesn't want to do. Hey, Theo, you need to start saying that at your job. Yeah. Ooh. Theo, we really need you to prep this video for next time because you haven't done it i'll just say i don't have the heart to do it i'm the tin man call me tin man (laughs) that's why they call you the tin man is because you don't do stuff (laughs) and every time he tries to do something he hacks off another body part yeah Yeah, it became a liability wow spoilers (laughs) spoilers (laughs) for the last episode yeah some people listen to them in reverse order yeah sure all right so chapter 12 is called the search for the wicked witch and so they, they leave, they put their spectacles back in the big box. They've had those locked on things on their heads this whole time. I couldn't get over that. Yeah. And in the images, Dorothy has them on around her pigtails, like her braided pigtails, which seems uncomfortable, but whatever. So I bet their eyes are sweaty. Yeah, maybe. Maybe there's some like sweat? holes. 
I mean, the place around the eyes. I just mean they're crying. <laughs> the guardian of the gate tells them tells them there's no road to the witch because nobody ever wants to go there. Wow. So it's going to be hard to find the way. Yeah. So they said there's no road. Nobody ever wants to go there. The girl says, well, how are we supposed to find her? And the guy says, oh, that'll be easy because when she knows you're there, she's going to enslave you. And then you'll have found her. Yeah. She will get you and turn you into her slave. Yeah, and they said, no, 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 we're, we want to destroy her. And the guy, he's just so nice and sweet. And he says, oh, well, that's different because, see, nobody's ever destroyed her before. So naturally, I thought she was going to destroy you. But yeah, if you're going to do it the other way around, that's fine. <laughs> Pretty good. He's like, oh, yeah, I thought she would enslave you. But if you're planning to destroy her, you'll be okay. Yeah, it's just that no one's ever done it before. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, she no Dorothy notices that her dress and Toto's green collar are white now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. That seems like a pretty big oversight by the Emerald City. Well, maybe she thinks that it's magic. Oh, and not just the green glasses. Yeah. I was honestly <laughs> expecting it to be gray, and it was going to be Kansas. She was in Kansas all along? Or she made her way back to Kansas all along. <laughs> she made her way back all <laughs> along. <laughs> so this is the part that also made me sad, a part that made me sad. So they said the Wicked Witch of the West has only one eye, but it's as powerful as a telescope. She can see everywhere. Yeah, that's really sad. Hashtag Sauron, right? <laughs> How sad. No, not that part. It's coming. <laughs> this is the part that made me really sad. She only had one eye that was really powerful, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of two eyes that were both kind of shitty, <laughs> like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, it says it's as powerful as a telescope. So um, she calls her wolves. She sees the guys, the the people walking she through sees the, the land. Guys. She, <laughs> <laughs> she sees those. She sees those dude bros walking around. She blows a little whistle that she has on her neck, and a pack of forty fierce wolves come to her service. And they say, "Go get those people and tear them up." And the wolves are like, "You're not going to make them your slaves." And she said, "No, tear them up." She says, "None of them is fit to work." What? Yeah, she says, "One's tin, one's straw, one's a girl, the other's a lion. None of them are fit to work." <laughs> So they see the 40 wolves running up, and at this point, uh, Dorothy and the lion and Toto are all asleep, but the scarecrow and the woodman, of course, not being able to sleep, are awake, and they see the wolves coming, and the woodman says, this is my fight. Get behind me. The first wolf comes up. He chops its head off. It immediately dies. Yeah. And then the other 39 wolves all come in a row. They each just get their heads chopped off, and then and then it's over. When Dorothy wakes up, she sees a pile of dead wolves, and she gets frightened, and they're like, no, 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 this is what happened. And then she's, and then she's like, oh, Oof. okay. <laughs> that's no problem. <laughs> I, that sounds like he was setting it up to be a level in a video game. Yeah. Like he was already planning the, the merchandising stuff, and it was like... The wolf level. Yeah, <laughs> wolf yeah. level. I mean, like, if just a couple of those wolves had run at the same time instead of all in a series, things might have been different. Yeah. So he kills all 40 wolves, and their heads are all just rolling around, and he puts down his axe and says... It was a good fight, friend. As though he's lost, but he won, right? That seems like something that you say when you've been defeated. Like when you're done killing the 40 wolves, what would you say? I would say, I can't believe I just did that. That's not like me. Yeah, so that happens. Um, and then the witch looks out of her castle with her telescope eye and sees all the wolves dead and she's angry. So now she blows her whistle twice. And now a big flock of wild crows comes flying towards her. 40. 40 of them, in fact. And she says, fly at once to the strangers, peck out their eyes and tear them to pieces. Oh, yeah. And they got a scarecrow on their team and she's going to send a flock of crows, a murder, in fact. Man, Theo's so smart this episode. Mm -hmm. I know. I'm, yeah. I'm really on it. An attempted murder of crows. 
They all lay down on the ground, but the scarecrow stands up and stretches out his arms. And when they saw him, they were frightened. But the king crow says, eh, he's only stuffed. Let me go peck his eyes out. <laughs> and he catches it by the head, twists its neck until he dies. And then another crow flies at him and he twisted his neck also. And so 38 more times the crows fly at him and 38 more times the scarecrow twists their neck until they're all lying dead next to him. Yep. That's going to give you carpal tunnel. <laughs> Doing that twisting motion over and over. Well, he doesn't have any carpals. I mean, he, if you have good ergonomics, you're fine. Yeah, I guess so. So the witch is really mad and she blows on her whistle three times and then there's a swarm of black bees that arrive and she tells the bees to sting them all to death. Theo, what do you think the solution is going to be to the bees? I mean, it seems like rule of threes, it's got to be the lion now, but I don't know. But I don't know what the lion could do to stop some bees. Well, that's because you're wrong. It's not the lion. Someone else. That's not right. They shouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> it's not fair. Oh, Dorothy has her flower and she's going to lure them away. <laughs> okay. So the bees, the scarecrow says, take out my straw and scatter it over everybody. And then everyone made out of meat. Everyone made out of meat needs to be covered in straw and then the bees can't sting them. Then the woodman just kind of stood there and they all flew at him and tried to sting him, but they couldn't sting him because he's made out of tin. So all their little stingers broke off and they died. Yep. And here he gives us another, like, everybody knows this science fact, which is that bees can't live without their stingers. Even magical bees. He has a really <laughs> nice description, which is when he says, the bees lay scattered thick about the woodman like little heaps of fine coal, which is a great descriptor. But that's not how you make a, a thing with three special characters. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's just, it's just two of them. Yeah. You One of them yeah. saves you twice. <laughs> yeah, you don't go ten man scarecrow and then ten man and scarecrow. Sorry. But I guess I don't know what a lion could do that the others couldn't, right? Yeah. I guess she could have had more pits with jagged rocks come at them. So anyway, they put the straw back in. The Wicked Witch is mad and she calls dozens of her slaves the Winkies and gives them sharp spears and tells them to destroy the strangers. So the Winkies show up, but then the lion roars Their favorite and color jumps at them. Yeah, they love yellow. And the Winkies were so scared, they ran back to the witch and then she beat them with a strap and sent them back to work. See, the lion did do something. Yeah, but okay. it was four things instead of three. So she says, well, now my wolves and my crows and my bees and my Winkies all failed so i have one last thing i can do and it's a golden cap and she takes out this cap and she puts it on her head and it's got a little spell and she does the spell and what she has to do is say a little incantation so we find out that when you have the golden cap you're allowed to command the winged monkeys three times and the witch has already used her first two times um the first one was when she enslaved the winkies and took over their land and the second time was when she drove the great wizard of oz out and so now this is her third and final time but she has no option so she brings the the winged monkeys and they say what is your command so this time the witch says go get those strangers and destroy them all except the lion bring him to me because i want to make him into a horse and make him drag stuff around not make him into a make horse him but harness horse him things. like a horse yeah <laughs> <laughs> i want to make him do horse things because you'd think like i feel like the typical like fairy tale stereotype would be like bring me the girl right like she's clearly no, the no, special no. one kill like, the girl <laughs> yeah she's like kill the girl bring me that lion yeah. <laughs> that's so weird i would think the tin man bring me that tin man <laughs> yeah he's like totally op he's so shiny <laughs> he's so shiny <laughs> 
So the monkeys, <laughs> no, they grab the Tin Woodman and they carry him through the air and they drop him on some thick rocks and he gets all dented up and falls apart. He's bashed to pieces, yeah. Oh. Then they take the scarecrow and they pull out all his straw and they take his clothes and they ball him up and they throw it into a tree. So he's no more. And they go to kill Dorothy, but they can't because of the witch's kiss. The next thing that happens is they bind the lion up. I know that because there was some stuff that I edited out. And then after that, they pick up Dorothy and they say, ooh, she's been kissed. Yeah, she's been kissed. She's been protected by true love's kiss. They say she's protected by the power of good, and that is greater than the power of evil. So we'll just take her to the Wicked Witch and leave her there. Big mistake. Yeah. So they bring her through the, through the air. The witch is very surprised to see this girl and dog being brought to her, and she sees the silver shoes that Dorothy has and starts to tremble because she knows they're very, very powerful. But she looks in Dorothy's eyes and see how sees how just guileless she is and realizes that Dorothy doesn't know how to harness the power. And that she could probably trick her into giving her the shoes or something. Mm. So she laughs and laughs and says, I could still make her my slave. So this is why I'm saying Dorothy doesn't seem to realize that she's protected by the kiss because the witch just like constantly threatens to hurt her and never does it. But Dorothy thinks she could. It's just funny because the monkey said right in front of her, oh, we can't harm her because of this kiss. And then she like... Maybe they were speaking monkey language. (laughs) No indication of that, but so... Was that like a Dave Matthews band thing? Uh, Do you want to hear a story about Dave Matthews band? Sure. Rachel? Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who. His name is Dave. It's Dave Matthews. (laughs) You might have heard of him. Uh, No. Um, There's a composer named David Matthews, like a classical composer in the UK. And I have a friend who was his assistant. And he said that her one job as his assistant was to make sure when someone types in David Matthews in Google, his website comes up before the Dave Matthews Band website. (laughs) And so she said, well, if you just make sure every day you search for your name and then click on your website, eventually it'll get so much traffic that it'll move it to the top of the search results. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, that will do that for him because Google remembers the sort of links that you <laughs> press often. Yeah. But it wouldn't do that for anything else. But apparently that solved the problem. He thought that everyone <gasps> searching for it would find his website first. Oh, no, she tricked him. Well, there's nothing else she could do. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible, right? What do you mean? Dave Matthews is very famous. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's nothing that could be done. But I just thought, like, wow, that is so devious. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. She could have gone even further and, like gone into his computer settings somehow and made it so that whenever he types in his own name it just takes you straight to his website like that's just a shortcut (laughs) or like anytime you type in dave matthews it redirects to david or she gets like a a, like a net nanny thing like a parental control thing that blocks (laughs) uh dave matthews band yeah good (laughs) okay we can keep going so the the lion the witch wants him to work for her and he refuses so she keeps him penned up and says she'll starve him to death but Dorothy sneaks him food every night and like stays with him and sleeps in the lion pen for a while so he's able to hold out for a long time they've been through a lot together I know they really have and (laughs) they're very sad because their comrades are gone potentially dead Mm -hmm. but so finally so Dorothy is like kept in the witch's castle just doing chores or whatever and the witch finally comes up with a plan to steal a shoe she makes an invisible iron bar 
for Dorothy to trip over. And she does, and one of the shoes falls off. So the witch grabs it and puts it on. And Dorothy gets mad and says, like, you have to give that shoe back. And the witch refuses. The reason she had to trick her was because she said Dorothy only takes them off when she sleeps or bathes. And she can't go in while she's sleeping because the witch is afraid of the dark and afraid of water. Afraid of the dark. What happens? She's a witch. <laughs> it happens. So it happens. anyway, Dorothy. Rachel, why do you defend all of the characters? All the things that the witch does. That is a does. weird thing. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not funny. I'm saying it's understandable. No, not for a witch. I'm worried our audience is afraid of the dark. And what if you're driving them off with your relentless mockery? Yeah, but our audience isn't like a bringer of evil into the land as the Wicked Witch of the West is. <laughs> I know, but what if they're like, wait a second, I'm afraid of the dark. Well, anyway, she... She throws a bucket of water on the witch, and the witch melts. Because she's so mad at her. What? She just immediately does that? Yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah, Theo. That makes total sense. D- isn't that one of the things you knew about from the movie? In the movie, there's the whole thing about, like, the oh, the scarecrow's on fire, and she tries to put him out, and then she accidentally throws the water. No, the scarecrow yeah. is not involved, remember? He's in a tree. I know, but I thought maybe there was some other reason. No, she's just mad that the witch stole her shoe, so she just is like, hmm, and throws a bucket of water at her. And then the witch says... Oh my God, didn't you know that water would kill me? And Dorothy said, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. I really didn't. And she says, well, of course not. How would I? (laughs) She said, well, in a few minutes, I'm going to be all melted and you'll have the castle to yourself. I never thought a little girl like you would be able to melt me. Look out, here I go. And that's Look out, here I go. Those were her last words. Look out, here I go. And then she turned into brown slime. And then she turns into a brown puddle. Wow. A brownie. So (laughs) Dorothy throws another bucket of water on it, I guess just, you know. To clean it up. Yeah, double tap and then just sweeps it out the door. Wow. Puts the shoe back on and then runs out to tell the lion that they're free. So chapter 13 is called The Rescue. She does clean the shoe first because it's got brown goo all over it. All right. Okay, so they tell the Winkies that they're free and they are rejoicing and it's a festival every year from then on. So they tell the Winkies, hey, can you help us find the Tin Man and the Scarecrow? And they do, and they repair them, and it's great. So everyone's good now. Wouldn't you say, Jackie? Great. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, good. They're all good. Uh, So they say, great, let's go to Oz. And then everyone cycles through their thing again where they say what they want. (laughs) 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 But they find out that the Winkies love the Tin Woodman, and they asked if he would stay and be their king. (laughs) Are are they made of metal or something? No, they're just regular people who like yellow and tin. Woodman. They just love him. But they ask him to be the king, but he's like, no, I gotta get my heart. Wait a second. So they love yellow. Yeah. And there's a scarecrow and a lion there, but (laughs) they're gonna pick the tin woodman as their guy. I think they were impressed by how what a good job he did chopping down the tree that the scarecrow was stuck in. Oh. I mean, that's all we know. We don't see any of their other interactions. <laughs> he must have been doing something while we weren't looking. There's some kind of like pathos in their psyches that's making them like the Tin Man. We don't know yeah. what it is. Just go with it. <laughs> they empathize with his struggles to find love. Yeah. So they give everyone a gift, just like in the Odyssey. The lion and Toto get a gold collar. Dorothy gets a beautiful diamond bracelet. The scarecrow gets a gold-headed, wa- a gold-headed walking stick to stop him from falling in holes. Really? And the tin woodman, yeah, gets a silver oil can with gold and precious jewels. And Dorothy also happens to see the witch's golden cap, and she thinks, oh, I like this. I'll just wear this. I'm imagining like a tall, pointy, jewel-studded hat, and she's just like, this is pretty. It's more, it looks like like a cloth cap, almost like a bonnet that you could just tug on over your ears, but um. it's presumably made of gold a helm 
Yeah, like a helm. What's that? Were you going to say something, Theo? I can't remember now. Oh, does that does that mean that she gets control of the monkeys? She does, but she doesn't know yet. God, he just predicts everything. <laughs> I know. It's like he can figure out what's going to happen in a children's book. <laughs> Except when they go against the rule of threes, then I'm screwed. And they get together and say what they all want again. But I was thinking... What if, you know, they put the Tin Man back together, they get, they put new straw inside the straw. And he's a new scarecrow. Person. Yeah. What if they wait, he wakes up and they're like, hey, we're ready to go get your brains. And he's like, what? <laughs> wow. I was just born. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> that was a great joke. That was a good joke. I wish Theo got it. I don't, that was a good joke. I like that. Chapter 14 is called the winged monkeys or winged as Jackie prefers. Winged is too hard to say. How about bewinged? The bewinged monkeys. Bewinged. Bewinged. The fellowship is bewinged. (laughs) So they're walking along and L. Frank Baum in his narration says, you'll remember there was no road, not even a pathway. And it was even harder to get back to the Emerald City because they had gotten flown to the the Wicked Witch's castle by the monkeys. They didn't have to walk. So now they're completely lost. Yeah, so they're walking and walking in the fields. And they call on the mice, finally they remember, and they say like, hey, can you tell us how to get to the Emerald City? And the queen mouse says, yeah, but it's very far away because you've actually been walking away from it this whole time. Oh my I know. Gosh. But she says, well, you know you have the golden cap, so why don't you use its charm to call the wing- the bewinged monkeys and have them fly you? <laughs> Dearly bewinged. Mowage <laughs> is what bewinged us together. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> So the monkeys show up. They say, yeah, we'll take you, whatever. So they pick them up and fly them over. And they explain, you know, they have to obey the wearer of the cap thrice. And Dorothy finds out the king is carrying her. And he tells her their sad tale. I'll tell that in a second. But also, so before (laughs) the Scarecrow and the Tin Man are understandably terrified of these things because they had just killed them. Like they killed them a little (laughs) while ago. (laughs) And so they're like, oh, okay, well, they're not going to hurt us this time. But can you imagine? They say, we'll get you to the Emerald City in less than an hour. So they spend, what, probably a good 45 minutes just riding in silence with these things that just killed them like a few days ago. (laughs) Just eyeballing each other. I mean, that's got to be so awkward, right? (laughs) right. Hey, it's just business. That's worse than being in the elevator. (laughs) No hard feelings. (laughs) Yeah, no harm, no foul. (laughs) Okay, so the king says, well, we've got a long story about how this happened, but I can tell you if you want. It's a long trip. She's like, yeah. So he says, we used to live in the forest. We had no masters. We were very mischievous. We would pull tails, chase birds, blah, blah, blah. And in the north, there was a beautiful princess who was a powerful sorceress named Gaelette. She had a beautiful ruby palace. Everyone loved her, but she was sad because all the men were too stupid and ugly (laughs) to mate with one so beautiful and wise so she could never find love. So finally, she found a boy. A boy, a little boy. Yes. Well, it doesn't say little, but does say boy, who was handsome and manly and wise beyond his years. (laughs) And she says, well, once he's a man, I will make him my husband. So she took him to her palace and used magic to make him strong and good and lovely. And then when he grew to manhood, Quilala, who was supposed to be the best and wisest man in all the land, who had a lot of manly beauty, they decided to get married. So it says the Monkey King's grandfather was the king at the time. And the day before the wedding, he saw Quilala walking around and he thought it would be funny to pick him up in his fancy clothes and drop him in the river, which he did. And Quilala didn't even mind. He, he just laughed and climbed out. No, he was like laughing and yeah, he thought it was funny. But the, the princess was upset about it and she wanted to have 
have all of their wings tied together and throw them in the water. Uh-huh. But the monkey king said, no, if you do, we'll all drown. And Quilala was like, no, you don't need to do that. And Gaelette was like, that's the point. <laughs> so the, the princess is like, okay, look, I made this beautiful golden cap for my groom. So I'll just enchant it so that the monkeys have to obey the wearer three times each. For the princess's groom, all he did was use the cap to say, like, you guys need to stay away from Gaelette forever. And they're happy to do it. (laughs) But somehow the Wicked Witch of the West gets the cap. And then now Dorothy has it. Well, this passage is how I can tell that L. Frank Baum, like, was very straight. Because he can't can't describe a beautiful man at all. He just says he's a... He's got manly beauty. (laughs) He's got the beauty that a man has. He's got a manly beauty, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Beautiful man. Yeah, Yeah, you get the picture. (laughs) Let's move on, please. (laughs) Quit looking at me like that. Just drop it, okay? So anyway, they drop him off. And now we're in chapter 15, The Discovery of Oz the Terrible. So, yeah, they ring the bell. The guardian shows up and he's surprised again and he says you and they're like yeah don't you see us he says i thought you went to visit the wicked witch and they say we did and he says she let you go the scarecrow says she couldn't help it we melted her (laughs) or dorothy did (laughs) and the man is so happy he bows they put their spectacles on they go inside try to go see oz they're so excited but he like puts them off puts them off puts them off finally They go in and they see Oz is not visible at all. There's just a voice coming from around. And he says, like, I'm invisible. Uh, Now I'm walking over to my throne. I'm sitting down. (laughs) And they hear the voice coming from the throne. And they say, like, uh, time to claim the promise. And he says, what promise? I'm just a little voice. Yeah, I'm just a little voice. (laughs) I never promised anything in my life. So they tell him they fulfilled the bargain and he has to do what they say. And he's like, just give me a day to think about it. And they all, all of a sudden, get really angry. And they're like, no, you've had plenty of time. (laughs) Which I don't think it was that long, but maybe. I mean, it sounds like Dorothy was actually imprisoned for, like, several weeks, maybe. Like, it felt like it was a long time. But, I mean, he probably assumed they were just going to die. So he didn't... Yeah. Like, he's just suddenly realizing he has to do all this thing. Well, that's why they're mad. (laughs) They're realizing what he was thinking. But so the lion roars, and Toto gets nervous and jumps and hits a screen, which falls over and reveals a tiny little old man with a wrinkled face. (laughs) Rockefeller The woodman raises his axe and runs towards him and says, Who are you? (laughs) Whoa. He says, I'm Oz, the great and terrible. But don't strike me. I'll do anything you want. Which, like... They already told him what they want him to do, and he didn't do it. At that point, the woodman should have said, this is my fight, and then just like... (laughs) Or Dorothy, maybe. (laughs) Punch him in the nose. But he says that he has been making believe this whole time. He's not a beast or a ball of fire or a lady or a giant head. He's not a wizard at all. He's a common man. And the scarecrow says, you're a humbug. And the man seems pleased and is like, exactly, I'm a humbug. He reveals to them how he did each of the illusions. And so in the movie, it's like he's got all these like levers and yeah. it's like kind of technological, like little steampunk kind of thing. And then, but in the book, it's just like, oh, it was this big paper head and I just hung it from the ceiling. And I had a wire that would make the mouth move. He says he's a ventriloquist. By trade. Yeah, the great ball of fire is just a it's a cotton ball that you put alcohol on it and it catches on fire. Yeah. Wow. So that's all I am. And the lady is just he has like a mask. Him in a wig and a, a mask and a wig, yeah. 
What? And the beast is just some animal skins that he sews together. And then it says oh. there are slats to keep the sides out. And he just gets inside. What a humbug. <laughs> they say, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And he goes, I am. I certainly am. <laughs> <laughs> Proudly, he says, I am ashamed. <laughs> yeah. He tells him he was born in Omaha. He was a ventriloquist at first, but then he got bored and decided to become a balloonist. Like he worked for circuses to get people to come to the circus. But one day... Like, you know, Oz, some people are accountants and, like, lawyers for years and years, and you couldn't entertain yourself being a ventriloquist. (laughs) He was amazing, apparently. (laughs) He couldn't get back down one day after he went up in the balloon because the ropes were twisted. And it carried him away for a day and a night, and then when he woke up, he was in the land of Oz, and everyone assumed he was a wizard. Because he came from the sky. So he was like, I'll play along, I guess. And he said, to amuse myself and keep the people busy, I ordered them to build this city and my palace. How amusing. (laughs) How amusing. (laughs) So he says, the land was so green, I decided to call it the Emerald City. And to make it fit even better, I put green spectacles on everyone. And now people have been wearing the green spectacles for so long that they've forgotten that not everything's green. (laughs) Which, why couldn't he have just made them make it green? Well, he wanted everything to be even greener. So he says, the only thing I was worried about was the witches because they all have actual magic powers. Mm. But I knew two of them were good, so they would leave me alone. Which, like, why would you assume good people would let you... Be a fraud? I mean, he really just took over this country and forced them to do his bidding. So Dorothy (laughs) says, I think you're a very bad man and he says oh no i'm really a very good man but i'm a very bad wizard which isn't that in the movie uh yeah it is but no you're bad you're bad man also me no rachel is just a very bad wizard (laughs) so the scarecrow asks for brains and the wizard says you don't need them because you're still learning every day babies have brains but it doesn't matter until they get experience and the scarecrow's like maybe that's true but i want brains the wizard says all right whatever i'll find something for you so the lion wants courage and oz says you have plenty of courage you just need confidence because true courage is facing danger when you're already afraid and you already do that and the lion says still i want courage so he's like oh whatever the tin woodman oz says i don't think (laughs) he doesn't say you've had a heart all along he says i think you're wrong to want a heart (laughs) (laughs) how about you just not yeah it makes people unhappy (laughs) and the woodman says nah 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 i don't mind i'll be unhappy so then dorothy wants to go to kansas and the man says well give me a few days to think about it until then just hang out at the palace so they're happy happy about it and Dorothy apparently has started calling him the great and terrible humbug but she says if he could send her back to Kansas she would forgive him but isn't that funny everyone else he says it's been inside you all along and the woodman he's like you don't need that Maybe he knows because he's collected the woodman's heart. Oh, yeah. But there was so much foreshadowing that was building up to, like, he doesn't want to step on bugs. He could have just been like, you're a really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, he could have been like, look, this whole time you've been trying to be nice to everybody. Instead, he's just like, no, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Want something else so I can refuse to give it to you. So the final chapter for this episode, chapter 16, is called The Magic Art of the Great Humbug. The scarecrow goes to get brains and the wizard says, okay, sit there. And he has a big bag of bran pins and needles, which he shakes together, Mm -hmm. takes the scarecrow's head off and shoves a bunch in his head. So then when you see pictures of him in the rest of the book, his head is like bulging and there are needles sticking out of it. (laughs) And the whole point of this is just two stupid puns. Yeah. You want to tell the first pun? (laughs) Yeah. So he puts all that stuff in him and says, hereafter, you'll be a great man for I've given you a lot of brand new brains. Mm -hmm. Bran new 
And then later the Tin Woodman asks why the needles and pins are sticking out of his head and the lion says, it's proof that he is sharp. There you go. So then the Woodman goes to get the heart and Oz cuts a hole in his chest and he puts a little silk heart stuffed with sawdust in. And he says, isn't it beautiful? And the Woodman says, it is, but is it a kind heart? And Oz said, oh, very. Now you have a heart any man might be proud of. And then he patches him back up and the Tin Woodman goes back to his friends and he's so happy. <laughs> this chapter could also have been called like the art of the placebo. Really? Like that's all he's doing. Right. So the lion wants courage and the wizard goes into a cupboard and he takes down a square green bottle and pours it into a beautifully carved green gold dish hands it to the lion and the lion says what is it and oz says if you drank it it would be courage but since courage is always inside of someone it can't be called courage until you swallow it so you should drink it as soon as possible right now we call it absinthe when it's inside of you it'll be called courage <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the lion drinks it all and he says he's he's full of courage so Oz, he's thinking to himself and he says, how can I help being a humbug when all these people make me do things that everybody knows can't be done? It was easy to make the scarecrow, lion, and woodman happy because they imagined I could do anything, but it will take more than imagination to carry Dorothy back to Kansas, and I'm sure I don't know how it can be done. I would like to see a version of this where he tries to trick her into thinking she's back in Kansas, like just as simply as he did all the other ones. Oh no, he could be like, it's me, Auntie M, and like do another disguise. <laughs> And he takes her to a room where everything's gray and he's uh, like, uh, <laughs> Welcome home. Yeah. So that was a pretty good one. Theo, how are you feeling about all this? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm a, there's a lot of like body horror sort of stuff in this book. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Don't you think this is scary and weird? <laughs> body horror. Yeah. He had to cut open the guy's chest, put the little heart in. He had to take the scarecrow's head off of him and stuff it full of fucking needles. Like, this is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Well, he always asks. He says, is it cool if I take your head off? Is it cool if I cut open a hole in your chest? There's Rachel again defending this strange <laughs> behavior. I know. she. It can do no wrong. <laughs> as long as you get consent, it's fine if you stuff someone full of needles. Yes. Doesn't matter that he doesn't have any brains. He can't give consent, Rachel. He doesn't have a brain oh, no but the true. point is that he does have a brain a magic brain <gasps> but he only realizes it once he has tons of needles sticking out of his head yeah, <laughs> yeah. like wait a second you tricked me <laughs> <laughs> but if he can only figure it out because of the needles then the needles worked all right so yeah it's horrible um so you're a thumbs down right now is that right me no jackie oh jacko uh, I'm not a thumbs like down in terms of the writing, but in terms of it not being a nightmare, yeah, very two thumbs <laughs> no, down. No, but little kids <laughs> like this kind of weird, freaky stuff. <laughs> I don't think they do. I it's know. a very popular book. <laughs> if he said that he wanted to make one that didn't have any scary stuff in it, there's a lot of scary stuff in there. Well, yeah. that just means <laughs> that what L. Frank considered scary is beyond our ken. Clearly, we would all go mad if we saw the things he saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, he has one lost book that he, like, buried because it was too terrible. He, like, actually made scary. He's like, this yeah. is scary to me. <laughs> Theo, what are you thinking? Because there's been a lot of monsters and stuff and rolling a head around on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. I think the way she defeated the witch was... Lazy. Funny. Yeah, a little lazy. Like, did they mention that there was water, a bucket of water available at any point before She that? was in the kitchen, and she had been, like, doing chores and scrubbing floors and stuff. I think it would have been much better if they had set it up somehow that, like, she noticed at one point that the witch was 
weak to water. No, because then she would be bad. The whole point is that Dorothy never kills things on purpose. Okay. She's a little girl, Theo. If she knew that water would kill the witch, she wouldn't have poured it on her. Okay, then, and now about the monsters. I guess they're okay. They seem to sort of just come and go really quickly. Do you wish that they had joined her crew? All of the monsters? The fuzzy rhinoceros and the Kaleidas. I wish the wildcat had. Yeah, I think so. I would have liked it if they had more of a role. I assume they do in the other books. Don't tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Don't. Actually, the Kaleidas do, they do actually have a bigger role. Do you ever worry that we're currently being controlled by someone with a gold cap? Yeah. Do you? And someone was just like, I really want to learn about literature (laughs) through a podcast. (laughs) And we're just doing it and don't even realize. Or maybe it's like the number of episodes we will eventually make of this podcast. It's like, okay, whoever has this golden cap gets to command them to make, you know, 113 episodes or whatever it is. And then they give it to someone else and that person actually likes true crime podcasts. So then we have to switch to being a true crime podcast for 113 (laughs) episodes. Oh my gosh. I don't know anything about true crime. I'm so worried about this. Well, you'd play the same role on that podcast that you do on this wow this is the producer feelings hurt how come nobody ever comes up with the idea of false crime interesting false crime yeah Mm -hmm. i think you're talking about like fiction books murder mysteries oh man wait i forgot one thing i wanted to tell theo at one point someone asks toto a question because they assume he can talk since everyone can Mm -hmm. and the narrator says like surprisingly toto couldn't talk or something like that yeah he's like the only (laughs) creature in the entire world that can't talk that must suck for him i kind of wish the wizard of oz would figure out what you truly wanted and would give you that which is what we're doing for our audience so i hope you enjoy everyone I don't know what you guys thought you wanted when you came into this, but what you actually wanted was exactly what you got. A podcast episode. That's what everyone's greatest dream was. This particular podcast episode. Amazing. It worked out so well for us. If I only had a podcast episode. Phew, I'm glad we pulled that off. Well, this has been Fire the Cannon. It's been a... A hell of a ride. It's been a hell of a ride with you guys. It was a good fight, friends. (laughs) I like that. As if each audience member came up to us one by one and we slashed their head off. (laughs) All 40 of you, we just beheaded you one by one. Some of you we bewinged, some we beheaded. (laughs) Oh, man. Bewinged is not the same as beheaded. That's interesting. All right. So as always, please email us at firethecannonpodcast at gmail.com. If your name is Eric Jones, this doesn't apply to you. Thank you, though, for your dedication. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at Fire the Cannon Podcast. But we do have a discussion post, and we're going to start posting little teasers the night before. So we hope we'll uh, whet your appetite for that coming up. Mm-hmm. Next week, we're going to have the conclusion to The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Go ahead and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram if you haven't yet. That's Fire the Cannon Pod. And we think those are pretty funny. So we love to see your shining little faces there. Hop on over to patreon.com slash fire the cannon, and you'll see that we have a lot of interesting perks for you guys. You can start with a little gift of just $1 a month or $3 a month. Um, All the way up to infinity all the way up to infinity i mean it's the sky's the limit so yeah if you want to if you want to throw a little thank you you can do that and if not then go ahead and just um leave us a review rate us on apple podcasts um it'll take two seconds and it's so 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 appreciated we read every single one that we get and we like pick it apart trying to figure out who it is so um we do spend a lot of time thinking about whoever spa 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 is 
That was a really nice review. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Spuspa. We love that. I just want to mention that we have a teaser reel out now. So if you've been really enjoying this podcast and want to try to get someone else into it, you can always just take the link to that video and send it to somebody. And that's the easiest way to give them a sense of our vibe. Especially people who are like, well, I don't really read a lot of books. I wouldn't like the podcast. Yeah. Just send that to them and they'll understand what we're about. You don't have to read. And I wish we had said this at the beginning. <laughs> we need to do another trailer <laughs> that makes it more clear. Okay, so Theo's video has been frozen this whole time, but his voice is coming through fine. So he is the Wizard of Oz now. He is. He's the Ventriloquist <laughs> of Oz. Ventriloquist of Oz. Uh. <gasps> okay. If you just go to our website, you can find the YouTube video and share it. We got a whole playlist of clips. Our website is firethecanonpod.com. As always, Canon is spelled C A N O N. We love you guys. Thanks, Nell. Thank Thanks, you. audience. Nell. Thank you, Nell. Bye, Nell. <laughs> Bye, Bye, Nell. Nell.